Let's move into chapter 15. Then the Pharisees and the experts in the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Where, where, where is Jesus? At the resort in Gennesaret on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And they yump up there from Jerusalem. Why? I got an idea how we can catch him. You know, I, I got it. Let's go accuse him of this. So that's what they go do. Um, and they ask. And they also probably had heard, you know, what he did. He fed 5,000 people. Incidentally, feeding of the 5,000, probably his most famous miracle. So I think word about it traveled very fast. Uh, people learned about it. And the Pharisees in, jealous, in jealousy just tore up there. We got to stop this. He's helping people. It's got to stop right now because um, of popularity. You know, it's what, what, what I, 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 I'm, I'm not intending to get political, but isn't that what political parties do? If the other party, no matter which party it is, begins to help people, the other one gets furious because they're getting popular and they attack. It's, it happens on all sides all the time. It's, oh no, no you don't, you know, and uh, there we go. So the Pharisees come up, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay, how many moms here? <laughs> so, what's going on there? Jesus doesn't wash his hands before he eats. So, so, however, are we talking about soap and water cleanliness here? No, no. This is a ceremonial washing. And um, in the, you remember the story, uh, it's early in the Gospel of John of the wedding at Cana. How many stone jars of water just happened to be standing there full of water? Do you remember that? Six. Six stone jars of water. Who keeps six stone jars full of water in front of their house? Well, the answer is probably everybody in those days. Where would you get a stone jar? First of all, a stone jar. Uh, uh, what are the, what, what, what's an oil drum? I, I know this. It's uh, 30, 40 gallons? Yeah, or 36. 40 55, yeah, 55. So uh, if you narrow it and, and, and make it taller as a stone jar, maybe sim similar, between 40 and 50 gallons of water in each of these jars, where would they, why would you, why would you carry, well, they don't carry the water to them. What do they do? In the wintertime, they leave the lids off. And it rains. And it fills these water jars. And then, the, because that's their drinking water, it's free water. So you've got a lid, you put the lid on it, and it stops the evaporation and so forth. And the one on the end, however, and maybe it's smaller, but it's the one on the end by the door is the one that uh, if you have people coming over, you take off the lid and they dip into that to have a ceremonial washing of their hands. Now, I didn't look it up this afternoon. I, I, I was going to because it came up this morning, but... There's an argument in the Mishnah, the Jewish oral law. I have a copy of it in my office. And I've, I've, it's been a while since I've read this, but I have read it. 
that they had an argument over how much of your arm goes into the stone jar to count as washing your hand. So one guy said up to the elbow, and one guy said, no, just maybe past the thumb up maybe to the wrist, and one guy said, no, fingertips is enough. And why did they have the argument? Not because of the Hebrew language, but because of the Greek word for hand. So kair in Greek means anything from here to here. This is your kair. Where did they nail Jesus when they nailed him to the cross? In the kair. So that's why we have a debate going on among some circles. Did the nails go through here or through here? Because it seems like here would have been more effective if you're going to hold a guy on, if you're going to hold a 150-pound man onto a board with a nail through his hand, what's, the, what's going to happen? He's probably going to tear through it in a, just in, in seconds as soon as the thing gets set up. But if it's through his wrist, his um, ulna and radius, is that right? Um, would keep it in place. And uh, it's also possible, even likely, that they did nail it through his hands, but that they had tied him onto the cross as well. So the nails were there more for the pain than anything else. And sorry about this. Um, so, uh, I, oh, I want to move past that, but go ahead, Mark. In Greek. Anything from here to here. So it's the whole, all the way down almost to the elbow is chire. But the wrist is counted as chire. By the way, we have the word chire in English. We still use it for that part of the body. Because when you have a really bad backache, who do you go see? The chiropractor. Yeah, the guy who works with the hand. Yeah. Or manipulates with the hand. Yeah. Mine did not. Mine poked me with metal rods that were tipped with rubber, I think. And so he didn't actually use his hands on me, which is one of the reasons why I stopped going to see him. Anyway, let's go on. Um, so this tradition of the elders was to have a ceremonial washing before they would eat just to show that I'm ceremonially clean, right? It's really a baptism. It's a ceremonial washing to show my holiness. Um, however, it's not in the Old Testament. It's not part of God's Old Testament law. You don't have to do this before you eat. You're, what, what should you do? Thank God for what you've received. By the way, is it, is it sinning if I forget to pray until my first mouthful is going? No. Just give God thanks for what you're, what, what you're eating, right? And don't choke on your food. No. So Jesus attacks them. And uh, let's just notice some commandments here as we're going along but, and some other things. So Jesus answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Notice the difference, commandment versus tradition. Commandment is scripture, tradition ain't. Um, for example, God said, honor your father and mother. Which commandment? Fourth, very good. Uh, and whoever speaks evil of his father or mother should be put to death. 
uh, not a commandment, but a law in Moses. So if your kid rebels against you, what was a parent supposed to do? Take him outside the city and throw the first stone. Not kidding. That was the law. So you maybe think twice about how should I discipline my child or am I going to kill my child? Which one's it going to be? I'd like to discipline today, thank you. Um, but if you say that someone tells his father or mother, whatever help you might have received from me has been dedicated as a gift of God, that man does not need to honor his father or his mother. Jesus is saying, you're saying. And so you set aside the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Do you get what Jesus is saying? This is the Corban rule. The, the Jews, had, especially the Pharisees, had created a scenario where um, uh, if I have lots of wealth or a home or an income or slaves, I could go to the temple and make a big show out of this. I'm dedicating everything I own to the Lord. And I would even sign a document and have it published and put up. But what that, if I do that, I'm, it's, it, it becomes illegal for me to use that, my income, for anything other than my own livelihood. I can use it till I die, but I can't give it away to somebody else. Well, what did they do when their parents retired or became a widow? They were supposed to take care of them. But the Corban, Corban is the dedication if the, the Corban law allowed them to say, well, sorry, Mom, I know Dad's gone now, but I've dedicated everything I own to the Lord, so I can't give you any financial help. I can't let you stay in my house. I can't feed you. You're on your own. So, Mom, you have to be a beggar or a prostitute or something like that. That's what the Corban law permitted. And Jesus says, this is your tradition but what God wants is for you to honor your father and mother. And by the way, if you don't, you're supposed to be put to death, Jesus says. So he's, he, he's, he's shaken them up. Everybody, did, did that come across clearly? Okay, it's horrifying. Um, hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching human rules as if they are doctrines, Isaiah 29, 13. Um, so. Oh, I never noticed that before. That's the first time in these slides I think this has ever happened. Um, because I translated that verse of Isaiah, that's, that's my translation out of the EHV in our, all of our study of Matthew. Um, I get kind of sick to my stomach when I see that little queasy. It makes you nervous, you know. But it is what it says. It is, it, that's, that's what scripture says. All right, so sorry about that. Um, let's just move on. Um, then he summoned the crowd and said to them, listen and understand. What goes into the mouth does not make a person unclean, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Do you remember the, the, the rules about what you can eat and what you can't eat? What's the most famous animal that Jews were not allowed to eat? Pig, yeah. So ham, right? Pork, uh, bacon, back bacon, all that is just off the table, literally. Um, birds, any bird that eats uh, potentially dead things, they could not. 
or that vomited uh, uh, owl pellets. So owls, uh, any of the predatory birds and birds that ate roadkill, and also a long list of birds that we would think of as, they're, they're just water birds. The heron, the stork, the ibis. And I've wondered now, having translated that, those passages, was the duck on or off the menu for the Jews? I really don't know. Because how is a duck different than a stork? You know, in, in what it eats. I, there's a lot of water birds in those forbidden animals. So I'm not really sure. They could eat chicken and what we would think of as game birds. So quail, partridge, and the weird ones. The two that we would probably say, I'm not eating that, but pigeon and sparrow. So, yeah. Have you had squab? Okay. Um, very cool, very cool. I've served it. I was a waiter, but I've never eaten it. Um, and then of uh, uh, fish, of course, they had to have fins and scales. So what fish does that leave off? Well, eels. Uh, anything in the, in the bullhead family? Um, also, anything like uh, shrimp, lobster, octopus, squid, um, whale, dolphin. And I'm kind of wondering about, do tuna have scales? I'm going to leave a question mark over that while Aaron looks it up. And, uh, and, and then with regard to land animals, uh, the rule was hoof split all the way through and choose the cud. So they could eat um, goat, uh, 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 sheep, cow, deer, anything from the deer family, moose and so forth, and giraffe. Um, because giraffes have a, a, a hoof split all the way through and they chew the cud. But the old joke among the rabbis was, but you can't sacrifice a giraffe because where would you slit its throat? You know? Don't, no, not the long way. <laughs> that's, that's funny though. Uh, Aaron? Tuna have very few scales, yet are considered a kosher fish. A kosher fish. Okay. Buffalo, buffalo is uh, like the ox is in the cow family. So yes, yeah, and I know I know from experience because we raised them in Poinette. Uh, buffalo chew the cud and they have a split hoof. Yeah, State Game Farm of Wisconsin is in Poinette, Wisconsin, where my uncle Louie raised pheasants, released between forty and sixty thousand pheasants a year, because pheasants are common game birds in the Midwest but none of them are native, and they don't breed here. You have to breed them. So they're bred in captivity and then released every year. That's where all the pheasants come from. Where do pheasants come from? China. All the pheasants are from China. Yep. Okay, uh, so Jesus now is hinting at what Peter is going to be told later. What goes into the mouth does not make a person unclean. 
We're, we're on the very edge here of the kosher laws no longer being in place. And Peter's going to find that out at Joppa very, very soon after Jesus uh, ascends into heaven. But Jesus says what comes out of the mouth defiles a person. And what things do come out of the mouth? Well, cursing, swearing, uh, propositioning, lying, um, you know, things like that. That's what makes a person unclean. Now his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard this saying? And Jesus was like, yeah. Um, do any of you know what Grammarly is? Grammarly? What is Grammarly? It fixes your grammar and your spelling. Um, I fired Grammarly from my computer a couple years ago because Grammarly began to intrude itself into the content of my daily email devotions by saying, um, your, people who read this might be offended by what you're saying. Grammarly started telling me that. Because if I'm talking about God condemning homosexuality or something like that, Grammarly started telling me, this might be offensive to your readers. And I'm like, I, you're, not, you're, you're done. So... So now, instead, I, I, I found, uh, I, maybe it was Aaron who showed me, um, a, um, a, a, your computer can read, your Word document can be read back to you by your computer. So I believe her name is Female Voice Number One that reads my, reads my daily devotion to me every day because the male voice hurts my ears and I can't hear everything he says, so I have female voice read to me and then I catch my spelling mistakes that way. So... But Grammarly's done. And then Jesus answers, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant will be uprooted. Um, which is very similar to the parable of the weeds that we had not long ago, where they have weeds planted alongside of, of the good of the of the of the grain, and the master says, Don't don't you know leave it and we'll 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 sort it out later. But here a little bit different. Everything my father did not plant will be uprooted, that is, will be destroyed. With respect to the dandelion, which is completely edible, every single part of the plant. So, I don't know if you knew that. I'm a big fan of dandelions. My wife was not. My wife waged war on dandelions every summer of her life here in Minnesota. And uh, my yard has no dandelions. But I don't... I, I, I didn't say anything about it because I respected that. Yes, Mark? Corban is the, is the idea of dedicating something to the, to, to the Lord permanently. I'm not sure I understand your question. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me finish off what Jesus is saying here. Let them go. They are blind guides of the blind. And if the blind are guiding the blind, both will fall into a pit. Mark, do you know what movie this is from? It's Dr. No, um, which is the first James Bond movie. 
Um, and they're not really blind in the movie. They're bad guys. They're naughty men. So not only do you have the blind leading the blind here, but they're also naughty. So both will fall into a pit. Peter replied and said, explain this parable to us. So Peter is trying to figure out what Jesus means by all this. And everybody here know, even you younger ladies, what this is? Okay, you ever used one? None of my business. Okay. Oh, sure, yeah. My, my brother and sister went to a school that had three buildings. And two of them were those. Yeah. Um, I did not. We had indoor bathrooms in my school. Well, no, we didn't. Our kindergarten had no bathrooms at all. We had to run across to the elementary school to use the bathroom when I was in kindergarten. So maybe we should have had a little a privy. Okay. There's that uh, seagull back in the background. Jesus said, do you still not understand? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated into the latrine? But whatever comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. That is what defiles a person. So what's, what's in the heart? That is the unclean part. To be sure, Jesus says. Oh, and there's one of those stone jars. To be sure, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual sins, theft, false testimonies, and blasphemies. These are the things that defile a person. Can we go back to that list for a second? Can you uh, keep track of the commandments? Evil thoughts are especially which two commandments? Evil thought is basically coveting, right? So 9 and 10. Murder is which? 5. Adultery, 6. Sexual sins, also 6. Theft, 7. False testimony, 8. So don't we have here 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Um, and then blasphemy, which is which three? One, two, three, right? And did we have four? Yeah, earlier, right? The Corban stuff is all about four. So Jesus has in this chapter, in the first 19 verses, um, condemned all you know, violations of all 10 commandments. So it just, it's just noticeable to me that we do this. <clears throat> But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So that violating the law is what you should be thinking about. The unwashed hands business, Jesus says. You know, if, you didn't, if, if they didn't make it into a law, I'm, he would do it. Right? Um, why don't we, as a rule, immerse children when we baptize them? Because there's a denomination that says you have to or it doesn't count as a baptism. If they didn't make it into a man-made rule, because it doesn't say that in the Bible, we would say that's a wonderful picture of baptism. We'd probably be doing it. But because they say you have to or it doesn't count, well, that's not scriptural, so that's why we, as a rule, don't. It's that Doctrinally, that's called being in statu confessionis, in a state of confession. You insist on something that's not scriptural, we can't do it unless there's a good reason for doing it. So, okay. 
lot of geography in this chapter. Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is way up in the northwest on the coast. I was going to give you a lot more slides, but we don't have that much time, and I didn't do it on purpose. Let's go on. There, a Canaanite woman. She's called um, a Syrophoenician woman in another gospel account of this from that territory, came and, and really, what is she? She's a Gentile, right? She came uh, crying and kept crying out, have mercy on me, Lord. That's Kyrie Eleia's son, for those of you who are Latin fans. Um, son of David, a demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, send her away, because she keeps on crying out after us. What's the difference between how Jesus handles this and the disciples? The disciples say, make her go away. And Jesus just doesn't say anything yet. What is, you know what he's doing. What's he doing? For her sake. He's testing her. Yeah, he wants to see. He answered, I was sent only to the, only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Which is kind of a slam. Sorry, I said kind of. I shouldn't have. It was a slam. But she came and knelt in front of him saying, Lord, help me. Almost always kneeling in the Bible is a sign of worship. He answered her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Is that three now? Silence, lost sheep of Israel, not you, and now little dogs? Yes, Lord, she said, Yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. Your faith is enormous. In Greek, your, fa your faith is mega. Um, it will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very, or at that very hour. So, this woman saying, uh, you're not wrong, Lord, to say nothing to me. You're not wrong, Lord, to say you're sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You're not wrong to call me a dog under the table where you're feeding your children. However, Lord, what does she say? Crumbs are all I'm asking for. Can we move on? Jesus moved on from there and went along the Sea of Galilee and he went up onto the mountain and sat there. This is probably the Golan Heights uh, on the now coming back down uh, to, from the north. He comes down again to the north and uh, there are some resorts there but the higher region is on the, on the right-hand side as you're looking at the screen. Um, those of us who remember the 60s and 70s, remember the Golan Heights being in the news back in those days? When the Israelis and the Palestinians were fighting, they still are occasionally. Um, no? Oh, it's okay. But it, this is, in, in my family, we'd call that the kitty table. Just <laughs> <laughs> to sit at the kitty table. It was always a card table. There was always one leg that didn't quite, you know, yeah, make your jello rock large crowds came to him bringing with them 
the lame, the blind, the crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. Again, these miracles are uncountable. Um, They put them down on his feet and he healed them. And as a result, the crowd was amazed when they saw the, the mute speaking, the crippled healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And how long do you think he was doing this? I mean, hours? Hours and hours? Nope. It's three days. It's three days of this. Um, have any of you ever tried to talk to me after church at noon on Sunday? And I'm like an old man about to die. Like, I'm so tired. Please just let me go and have my, my mac and cheese and watch my opera. And, you know, and because I'm just so exhausted. And Jesus does this for three days. Um, talk about the flesh being weak. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, I feel compassion for the people. I love the Greek word for compassion. Would you say it after me, please? It's pronounced splanchnizomai. Can you try it with me? Splanchnizomai. There's a little bit of a in there. So splank. It means your guts are churning. That's to have compassion. Splanchnizomai. I feel for you. Wasn't that a Shaka Khan song? I feel for you? Yeah, yeah. Splunk. It would be different if she sang it in Greek. Splunk nids, oh my. You know, yeah. Okay, sorry. That's my Shaka Khan. All right. Jesus <laughs> summoned his disciples and said, I feel compassion for this people because they have remained with me already three days and have nothing to eat. They're up in the Golan Heights, probably, up in the boondocks. There aren't any villages. There's no meat truck. There's not even a candy vendor. There's not even a a vending machine. Uh, And uh, I don't want to send them away hungry. They might faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, apparently having forgotten the previous chapter, (laughs) where can we get so many loaves in the wilderness to satisfy such a large crowd? (sighs) What's the plural for dork? Is it dorks? You dorks? Or no, uh, uh, what did Professor Deutschlander always call us in class? You Dorfnars, you Dorfnars. Yeah, we, we, we heard that a lot. I, I, we earned that. Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. Those loaves look big and thick, don't they? Hardly even chew, like my pancakes, like you can't chew these things. These are... I make two kinds of pancakes, one that you cannot chew and one that fall apart as they're coming off the griddle. They're just wrong. I don't, I'm sorry. Does that look like tartar sauce or what's in there? Now let's move on. He instructed the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks and broke them. He gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were filled. And they picked up seven basketfuls of the broken pieces that were left over. Different word for basket here. This is not the important part of the miracle. But you remember the feeding of the 5,000? The baskets were like fanny packs. They were like a thing you'd wear on your belt. Like a middle schooler's sock. That kind of, you know, there's enough in there for what a, a candy bar and an apple and 
something else, right? That's about how much. These were different baskets. These baskets were like this one, the same word, that was used to lower Paul down from the walls of Damascus. So they had seven Paul baskets of food left over. That's a lot of, and let's say that Paul weighed, what do you think Paul weighed, 120, 140 pounds? Or do you think Paul weighed 350? I don't know. But 120, that's still a lot of, that's a lot of fish and bread, right? Yeah. That's like, of my pancakes, that's like 10, you know, 150 pounds. Okay. Those who ate numbered 4,000 men without counting the women and children. So once again, this major feeding miracle. And what's the point of the miracle? Faith. You don't know how to feed them? I will give it to you. I don't know what to do about this person who, 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 who is opposed to the gospel. I will give you what to say. I'm going to go in front of the king and he's going to be mad at me. I will give you what to say. Um, I, will, I, will, I will help you. And might it take a lifetime? My grandmother spent her whole marriage, a whole lifetime. My grandmother lived to be 102. She died a couple years ago. Her whole marriage, my grandfather was an, was an atheist. But grandma just went to church, took the kids to Sunday school, made sure the kids and the grandkids got baptized. And then when grandpa got the same cancer that had taken my mother's life, he got terrified. And a wonderful Wells pastor in Ocala, Florida. That's where they were, that's where the retirement village they were living in. He came and my grandpa by that time was a captive audience. He couldn't get out of bed basically. And he shared the gospel with him a couple times a week for weeks and weeks and weeks. And what happened was just before the cancer took my grandfather's larynx, he told the pastor, I know that Jesus is my savior. I think he died that week. Did the Lord wait until the moment was right to harvest that one? Yeah. That's my grandpa Othmar. My grandpa Frank was a lifelong believer, but grandma Otz, not until just the last moments of his life, but grandma was patient and persistent but mostly patient, <laughs> mostly just patient. And her example, more than almost anything else, more than her words, her example, you know, she's going to Bible class, she's going to choir, she's going to this, she's going to ladies' age, she's going to Dorcas Society, she's doing all this, and, and finally, yeah. After Jesus sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Magadan is also called Dalmanutha, and it is the southern tip of the kite of the Sea of Galilee. That's Magadan. Or Magdala. Mary is from Magdalene. So that place also. That's the end of our chapter. Anything else on chapter 15? Matthew 16 uh, begins a new section, and I'm excited to get into Matthew 16 and um, uh, about sharing our faith and the ministry of the keys, and we'll begin that then 
next time. Uh, until then, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me do this. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.